Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness, I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey, hey, hey. And today we are returning to the ancient and magical land of Key Conga with uh, the, well it might be out by the time uh, this episode airs, uh, the newest Key Conga book from Milton Davis and MV Media, that is Etta Blessed 2. Uh, sequel, of course, to Etta Blessed that we reviewed. The Blessing. That's right. Hand Cannon Boogaloo. For those of you who missed Etta Blessed 1, go back and listen to it before you listen to this one. Or just read it. Or just read it. Uh, this is the second book of short stories featuring the character of Omari Ket, uh, Milton's primary key conga hero. Uh, there's there's Shenge and Mijoga, I believe, are also Kikonga. Yes, they are. And so that's secondary, but this is the second book featuring Omari. Uh, Omari appeared originally in Griot Sisters of the Spear. Yes, uh, where he, Omari's kind of a fan favorite. Yeah, he got he kind of got the Arthur Conan Doyle treatment. He died in that original story, and then everybody was like, "Why'd you kill him?" So he ended up bringing, bringing him back and actually making that resurrection part of Omari's overall storyline. Yes, and and like I said, he's a fan favorite. People like him because he's a rogue. Yes, he's. Um, I've said it before. He's that guy you know that blows into town, um, stays drunk on your dime. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, gets into all sorts of trouble and blows town, leaving you with the uh, to the, pick up the consequences. Right, the aftermath. <laughs> Although, really, really, with Omari Ket, most of the time the consequences are cleaning all the blood off everything. Right, and I think um, in this this set of stories, more than in the first set of stories, um, Omari takes a little bit more responsibility uh, for his actions than he had in the past. Right. We're dealing with a much older Omari Ket, much more, much older, much more experienced. Kind of. It, the first story is kind of om- not really a prequel, prequel mm-hmm. but it's like uh, how Omari got his hand cannon. Right. That signature <laughs> weapon that he carries. And then we pick up sometime later. Uh, by the end of the book, we are 10 years after he's left the Mickey Jen. Right. Which and is the storyline in the first Edda Blessed. Right. For those who don't know, the Mickey Jen are the uh, military arm. Uh, they're basically mercenaries for mer- a merchant empire. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and Omari Ket, even though he's left the Mickey Jen... He is still very much a mercenary. Uh, I guess old habits die hard. Well, and when you have a skill. That's true. If you're good at something, never do it for free. And, and Omari Ket is <laughs> Omari Ket is the poster boy for that that particular saying. Uh, even, for even if it is something that aligns with his moral compass, uh, it is he, he still won't engage in the activity. For free, he is not a hero in the sense of uh, your 
Arthurian round table sorts of guys. No, he he's a pre Star Wars Han Solo. Yeah, it does everything for for the books. Uh, Milton is also building up to something big. This is it's kind of a bittersweet to have read this book, knowing that the next project is the finale of the character, basically. Oh, uh, kind of. I mean, uh, unless he... unless the fans of the character raise hell with him again and. Right. No, but, you know, Milton also ended Changa, then mm-hmm. Changa was awesome, so... Right. It's just, you know, it, things run their course. Things run their course. You do run out of stories to tell with a character after a while. I mean, it happened to... It happened to The Shadow. It happened to Doc Savage, you know. It happened to Marvel. It happened to Marvel. All of Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's it's happened to pretty much any character that's been around that you end up basically rehashing the same stories over and over again, right? Or they or they be just end up becoming a caricature of themselves. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Batman. <coughs> I guess I could say every DC, all of DC as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about seventy five, eighty year old characters for the most part, so. You know, they probably ran their course 50 yeah, years no, ago. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree. And, you know, Omar has not been around that long. And I think that, you know, well, Milton wants to do other things. So yeah. um, his choices are retire the character with dignity uh, or go the Mi- Willie Mays route <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and just hang on and milk it for everything it's worth or like let other people write the character or whatever. Yeah. Have it, have it like stumble along for, you know, years and years until it finally dies a a death of horrible, like just mediocrity. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the Jim James Patterson route. (laughs) I call it the the Willie Mays route. Um, Because, you know, Willie Mays could have retired at his prime and people still remember him for being a great player, but he, the end of his career, he kind of like fizzled out. Oh, like that quarterback. Everybody likes which one. Uh, people like a lot of quarterbacks. The one that was up there with you. And then he went to a nothing team. Oh, the one who, who just won a super bowl single handedly. Yeah. <laughs> because it was a nothing team versus a nothing team. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to get into that. I I don't like Brady, right? But you know, I don't want to make America great again. So, right. But back to Omari Ket. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of bittersweet, but it is only logical that the character is kind of like you got to know when the end of a character's lifespan is, and yes, you know you can't. It's really hard to adapt and, well, and it's, you know, keep this thing going on because because there are certain sticks within the the uh, Omar Ket stories that kind of kind of do repeat a lot. I mean, Omar is a lady Bingo. and 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 pretty much every story is he's got a little bit of money or he's freshly broke at the beginning. He makes a little money. He's got money at the end and or and or he loses it all by the end. Right. So 
Uh, it's definitely Omari Kett's stories have definitely have a, a tendency to um, follow the same arc. Uh, it's and usually it's a uh, zero sum arc mm-hmm. uh, where he he ends up uh, in this almost the same situation that he started with um, financially. Uh, I guess some of the stories in in this volume. Uh, get away from that a little bit, especially the ones that are building up to this unnamed project of Milton's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell that there's a buildup happening. That's that the next Omari Ket thing is going to be huge. Right. That, which, that he's approaching his de- a destiny of sorts, which is actually really cool. So I'd like to look at maybe some of the highlights of this book. Go right ahead. Where would you okay. like to begin? I would like to begin with The Jeweler and the Rogue. Ah, yes. Which is actually, the, in the arc we got is a typo. It says The Jeweler and the Rouge. <laughs> that works. That works. <laughs> it does work. Maybe uh, maybe it is The Jeweler and the Rouge. Um, but th- this is an earlier story and kind of follows the that formula uh where omari kick it he gets into some trouble ends up having to uh and ends up being like a bodyguard for a for emergent um hilarity ensues mm-hmm. the problem is in, in in this story and i don't want to give it away um milton davis i think it's the peak of this type of storytelling for milton because he manages to get that feeling that you know something's wrong, you know something's going to happen, um, but and and you kind of know what it's going to be, but not completely. And but Omari doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he creates a lot of tension in this story between because uh, Omari is the point of view character, right? Of of what Omari is doing, what you're thinking, and then what ends up happening. Right. You're, you're, you wait a lot for the other shoe to drop, and just when you think the other shoe is going to drop, he subverts it, and, and for a while, things actually get better for Omari. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's really cleverly done. Um, it, and I, was, I, was, I said this before, um, it kind of reminds me of the way Stan Sakai does storytelling in uh, Usagi Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's another, I, and don't get me wrong, I love Misen Usagi, but um, sometimes the stories there get a little bit uh, formulaic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of these guys are good enough uh, storytellers to to uh, bury that and yes. uh, have you focus on the specific details of that story that they're writing. Um, then there are just a lot of similarities with like merchants and bodyguards and, and that kind of thing and somebody getting over on somebody else. That, mm-hmm. that reminded me of, of some of the uh, old... Yusagi Yojimbo stories. The other thing I really like about this story is it harkens back to um, a story we had read 
for another collection, uh, the Bloodseekers, mm-hmm. uh, where you have the same threat that happened in the Bloodseekers comes back. Uh, and he does it really well because he doesn't reference that story at all. Right. But so he, but he nods you, to it just enough. So it's like kind of like an Easter egg more than a, than a if, shout yeah, out. If, you, if you've read the Bloodseekers, then you go, oh, that's from the Bloodseekers. If you haven't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, so I, I enjoy that. Um, and that is probably my favorite of the stories from this book. Um, unfortunately, I didn't prepare well enough and didn't write down the table of contents. But uh, the one with the Merchant Queen. It's called the Merchant Queen. Ah, excellent. It's called the Merchant Queen. Uh, where Omari, Omari actually like gives up his one shot at like happiness and comfort for the rest of his days uh, because he's a rolling stone basically <laughs> yeah but that's like you know I, and that is part of his his character it's not mm. unthinkable for him to do that maybe for you maybe for me that's the unthinkable thing but Omari definitely has that uh, Pee Wee Herman at the end of, uh, of uh, his movie I'm a loner, Daddy. A rebel. Exactly. <laughs> now say it with a uh, with like an East African accent. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt that. The next time I go to do a service for somebody from Nigeria, and I do quite a few of them, I will ask them to say I'm a loner, Daddy, a rebel, and but I'll record it. But that's West Africa. West, I'm sorry, West Africa. My fault. Right. That was, I, I liked that story. Um, I liked, I liked the first story. I mean, there's a lot of like just classic adventure tales within this. A lot of lost cities, uh, hidden treasures. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird. Uh, oh, go ahead. There's like some, there's some points, like especially in the second story called The Escort. Mm-hmm. Uh, where at the end of the story, a bunch of shit goes down, and Milton pulls a Lovecraft with it, where he just gives you enough so you kind of like get this this blurry recollection of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then you finish the story, and you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" That's right. And if you're following Milton <laughs> Davis, follow him on Facebook. Check out his Facebook videos. Because he does have a reading of that particular story on his Facebook. There you go. I remember I remember getting this one live. And going, what the fuck? Nah, <laughs> Unless uh, you know what the fuck. Right. Because it, at the end of that one, I was like, wow, he just Lovecrafted me. And he doesn't even <laughs> read Lovecraft. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, he has like a supernatural um, fight at the end of it from Omari's perspective and he doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what's going on. You just get his impressions. Right. And it's really, it's cool because, you know, yes, that's a very common Lovecraft weird tales kind of thing. But if you're reading Conan, you you kind of get the picture. Mm -hmm. 
Right. G- God forbid that Conan doesn't take it all in. <laughs> right, right. And we also uh he he brings back the uh the mythology of Kikanga back into these stories rather than just making them uh you know just straight sword and sorcery encounter of the story kind of you know here wandering hero type of tales we start getting a a bigger broader picture of Kikanga uh really and it breathes new life into the setting uh reintegrating some of these elements that were in the Kikanga anthology um mm-hmm. and and the original Omari Ket story and mm-hmm. that's the the shards of the axe of Dorilla that Kipande I believe it's called which is like this magical element right uh, he also goes a little bit deeper into the relationship between the Mikajen and the Kiswasa Kiswala Kiswala mm-hmm. um, which throughout this whole these whole uh, two volumes, you kind of get, okay, the Kaswala are these merchant uh, captains. They're filthy rich. They give the orders, and they have hired the Mika Jin to basically be their military arm. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit of deeper into that, and it's not quite as cut and dry as that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not quite... I mean, you always kind of like figure that the Kaswala were assholes, Um but you get to find a little bit deeper, uh, not everything, right. but enough to uh, make you want more mm-hmm. of this of this lore and the right. relationship between these two groups. Right. One the interesting thing to me about the Mickey Jen is they they have this like French Foreign Legion thing going on where it's they're they're not local; they're from all over Kikonga. Right. You know, however, you know whether they're. Uh, impressed into service or they volunteer or whatever you know it's it's kind of like this entire military force is the dregs of society looking yes. you know that's like that's the best they can accomplish omari cat of right. course disagrees with that assessment uh but yeah it seems like everybody who's in the mickey Jen are like you know i can't really do better than this right and, so. and that's a great aspect of it too, and and hopefully even if uh, Omari Ket's not involved, we still get to see, um, you know, more characters from the Mickey Jen uh, doing things because they they do get into some interesting troubles themselves. Yes, uh, well, not uh, on their own be- behest, but right, right. It's some some. Kiswala merchant merchant gets greedy, looking for something, hires a bunch of Mickey Jen to be cannon fodder for. <laughs> They're the less. wall of bodies. They're the wall of bodies yes. that go up in between the merchant well, and their goal. You can actually, uh, at one point, this is a few years ago, uh, when the role-playing game came out, mm-hmm. uh, Milton Davis said that if he were ever to run a game or write a scenario, it would be like a Mickey Jen. Mm-hmm. Uh, because really, it's almost Delta Greenish in its um, convenience. Right, right. It's a great way to get desperate character, disparate characters together. You know, it's like, yes. well, my character's from 
you know, Satiba, my characters from Kiswala, my characters from um, Oyo. I have the map right here. Right. Oh, I'm from Targa. Right. <laughs> and the best way to put them together is to put them into the the Mechigen and Right. Well, not only that, but you also have a patron or a variety of patrons that mm-hmm. can send them on adventures. Right. It's it's easy. You don't they don't have to meet in a bar. Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. They don't have to like get a telegram from their good friend and find him dead in his hotel room, to, right? To motivate things. They're, okay, uh, you, 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 you. We're giving you two stacks each. Get on the Dow. We're we're sta- we're sailing right now. Right. What Where do we, we have to do? We'll tell you when we get there. Right. It's <laughs> it's always fucking need to know basis with these guys, and you know, and you can really get Milton you know, characterizes Omari Kett so well that you really get his frustration. That need to know shit really pisses him off. And, yeah. and you can tell, you know, and it's always, you know, he is always ready to cut and run at a moment's notice just because, you know, he's he knows. sick of that. Right. Because he knows that the practice is need to know basis only. And it's, you only need to know because you're going to get fucked in the end. And well, you wouldn't he, he actually knows, take right. the job. Because the the Kiswala, they aren't honorable people. No. They're merchants. Right. Right. So, make that what you will. But, uh, yeah. They don't pay their taxes. They have offshore accounts. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really go into too much about how the various governmental systems work, which is which is good. I mean, you know, just imply it. I, I like the the idea that most of this stuff, even though Omari, in particular in this series of stories, kind of floats among the rich and powerful, it still kind of sticks to a street level kind of uh, kind of setting. You know, he yes. doesn't flow in the intrigues of the rich and powerful. It's always Omari has to deal with the consequences of their greed or right. their desires. Yes. He's been involved in the intrigue, but it's not at his own um, his, his own will. Is right. The one bringing him into those circles. Right. Right. But you also get the feeling in this particular book that he is kind of developing more of a moral compass. And while he is doing what's expected of him as a mercenary to always ask for money, you know, it just so happens that the payment and the job, the reluctant job that he takes aligns with his moral compass. Yes, especially in the last three stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, really, the the not the middle of those. That's kind of a weird one. The right. Raiders of Kiwa. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in that, it's it's maybe it's a moral compass, but it's definitely delves into the the mystery of um, where where do these merchants get their power from, mm-hmm. and and a little bit about how they they. Um, the hold they have over the Mikajin. Mm-hmm. 
which is it's a it's a really good story, um, but it, it 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 it's more of a uh, building a world building tale, right? That right. happens to have Omari Ket in it, as opposed to like a swashbuckling adventure that you know, like a one one off thing. Mm-hmm. It's an important story, I would say. Like if you are um, an aficionado of Kikanga and Omari Ket fandom. Uh, the Raiders of Kiwa is a a cornerstone story. Yes, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, I mentioned this when we when we were reading through it. Uh, to Milton that uh, this particular collection cements Omari Ket right up there with Conan. Uh, you know, he's just taken the character to the next level with his story, and will only take him higher in the forthcoming novel whenever that is set to no, start. I, I agree. This, this takes the character from, uh, you know, a serial adventurer, I mm-hmm. guess you would call it, um, into something that, uh, it, it probably, I'm not saying it will, but it has the potential of going from this personalized sword and sorcery type of tale, mm-hmm. uh, to something. Well, it's definitely going to get bigger. Um, and it can start to get into the realms of of a uh, epic, right? Fantasy. I know that's a dirty word, but <laughs> it is kind of a dirty word. It might be going from Conan to Lord of the Rings with this next one. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think he'll do that. I don't think he'll do that. There's, you know, there's a bit. Uh, I don't think Milton's style really would lend itself well to do putting this character. If it does go <laughs> into the epic fantasy type of thing, Omari Ket is definitely going to be a fish out of water. Milton's sitting there going, he's going to listen to this and go, God damn it. I have to rewrite the whole thing. They can't be dropping the Grigri into the volcano. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, if you if the first official Changa so, story mm-hmm. uh, has those notes of epic fantasy, so don't say he hasn't done it. I'm not uh, saying he hasn't the, done it. I just don't that, think it's right necessarily right for this character. He ha- no, but he he hinted that well at the in the epilogue he mm-hmm. hints that there's going to be like this big continent shaking event happening. And Omari Ket is being groomed to to be the champion of Edda mm-hmm. to uh, to take care of that. That's pretty goddamn epic, epic fantasy. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, that's there's like definitely the something. Right, right. There, are, there are puzzle. Pe- there are chess pieces being put into place, um, for something huge. And the next. Omari Ket story will be that something huge, and it's. Yes. I'm actually really excited for this. Um, once my tax return gets in, I might. I'll probably be making an order <laughs> from MV Media to grab all the other Key Conga stuff that I don't have, just so I can catch up with all the world building, break out the role playing game, and read through the notes there. You know, just just so I'm, you know, I'm. I got a good grasp of what the hell's going on in Key Conga. All the different places and peoples. 
And and to start making a list of possible characters because he did mention that this is going to be like an all star kind of thing. So I want to have I want to have my uh, my speculative list. Yes, and I won't say the exact words he used because right, we're not. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a relatively spoiler-free but gushing review of Etta Bless 2 by Milton Davis. Um, if it's out by the time this episode releases, we'll have a link in the description. Otherwise, we'll have links to uh, all the other Key Conga stories so you can get caught up when this one drops. Would you say it would be for the Key, key Conga stories? Absolutely, which is all of them. <laughs> and one thing about Omari Cat uh, that you gotta admit is the man knows how to keep 30 luck points. Absolutely. <laughs>